As a business owner of an aquaculture company, how can you take the first step to be profitable and sustainable at the same time? That's what we're going to be talking about in these episodes. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This is the podcast for the sustainable business movement in the aqua farming and ocean ranching industries. This podcast aims to amplify the voices of entrepreneurs addressing the United Nations Global Goals, aka Sustainable Development Goals, number 14, to conserve and sustainably use the oceans and the seas. Listen in to fellow business aquaculturists in their journey in this new model of food production of making their business sustainable and help the ocean's ecology while also making a profit all at the same time. Get inspired to learn how even small to medium businesses can make an impact to save the seas, leave a legacy, and have a better quality of life. One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the industrial revolution to business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. As an aquaculture business, how do you continue to deliver fresh farm fish for two family generations? This episode is dedicated to answering that question. So listen in and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you listen to episode 4, season 3, we discussed Eric Enotam's insights in artificial intelligence in aquaculture. Welcome to episode 5, season 3 of the Business of Aquaculture. This episode, I'm happy to interview RJ Taylor, who is the owner of Cedar Crest Trout Farms from Ontario. Ontario, Canada. Welcome to the show, RJ. Yeah, thank you for having me, Lord. Pleasure, pleasure. I am very excited that you're on the show because it's quite something to have people talk about family businesses. So tell us who, <laughs> tell us who is Spring Hills Fish and Cedar Crest Trout Farms and what oh, is its mission? Absolutely. So Cedar Crest is uh, we're a second generation fish farming business. It's my sister Arlen and I now. And we have five land-based fish farms in rural Ontario. We're raising rainbow trout, Arctic char, and coho salmon. We're the largest supplier of fingerlings, the juvenile rainbow trout, to the wider net pen industry that's in northern Ontario. And then we also raise fish to market size and have our, our own processing facility and deliver fish to doorbells. I really like the story that you have on your website. Well, technically, you became an aquaculturist when you were nine. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think this year marks my father's uh, 53rd year in the aquaculture sector. He started out as a fish feed sales rep and always had a dream to build his own farm. So him and my mom bought a piece of property, I guess, almost 40 years ago. And over nine years, got the permits and did construction. And then we opened that in about 1995. It's a great example, RJ, that this business is sustainable because it can be like an estate planning. I always tell this, I have a 12-year-old and I've been in this industry for 13 years now. My husband and I always kid that this is our estate plan. (laughs) (laughs) My next question is, what do you see as a solution to governance in creating sustainable partnerships? And I'm sure that you guys have a lot of those to be able to have this far in terms of your family business. Yeah, I think when we're looking towards sort of governance and enabling the growth of more sustainable aquaculture, I really think sometimes our politicians and bureaucrats get sort of funneled into the idea that there's a silver bullet, that there's one type of fish farm 
that will bring sustainable seafood to market. When in reality, demand for sustainable seafood is sort of soaring all over the place and the solution is going to come from many different types of farms with many sort of different types of impacts and, and different species and different markets and different locations. So that's something, you know, we have our five land-based farms, but each one is a little bit different. And that's what we're continually telling that story of sustainability and everything we're doing. What is one thing that you can share with the business aquaculturists that can make a big difference in their organizations, maybe specifically for family businesses? Oh, yeah. So actually, most of our 25-year history, we've been farmers first. And in being farmers first, it's about sort of caring for your animals, caring for the surrounding ecosystem and the environment, caring for your community. But we've always been, in most of our history, sort of one step away from the people consuming our fish. And at the start of the pandemic, despite obvious impacts to the world, some of the silver lining was really got people focused on local food and, and sort of asking where things like their fish come from. And it presented us with an opportunity to open our own processing plant and start selling fish and delivering directly through Facebook. And so what started with a few of us cutting fish by hand and delivering to a couple dozen houses, it's grown to almost 1,500 homes a month our fish, as well as fish from surrounding farms as well. And what that whole experience has taught us selling fish direct is really opened our eyes towards what the customer and sort of the Ontarian, the Canadian are looking for when they're considering things like sustainable seafood. So, and that's just things like I used to really, really focus on sustainability as the everything for the farm. But now I'm finding that people are very interested in what do the fish eat? How are the fish treated? How is this farm connected into the local community? And then, of course, the environmental story as part of that. And one thing we've really learned in that is that all the decisions you make that are in the best interest of the environment and in the best interest of the fish health and welfare create a much better product that the customer loves. So having that sort of validation, sort of now being fully integrated along the chain, it's really sort of cemented things and changed our understanding from generation to generation. That's really brilliant, especially when you talked about the silver lining. You know, I always believe that in every obstacle, there's a corresponding opportunity. Eh? <laughs> so my next question then is, what's your biggest insight in this? I don't know how many decades now you're in this industry because you started really young. So if there's just one biggest insight you can share with our listeners, what would that be? Farming the same farms over several generations really allows you to take a long-term perspective backward and then hopefully stretch that forward too. And one of the things was when the fish farming sector was just starting out in central Canada, the people of my and the farmers of my father's generation, you know, success to them was all of your neighbors not knowing that your fish farm was there there was this fear that they might, you know, call a regulator or might be against it and sort of the fear of what people might think if they hear a fish farm is happening there. But now, you know, my sister Arlen and I and our whole team were, were a lot louder about our farms being there, you know, things like having floats in the, the local parade, spraying things all over social media. And the amazing thing that we found is that we really didn't have to be fearful. I really don't get a lot of negative comments about fish farming or, or sort of aunties. It's just people that are, are curious and want to know more. So I think a big insight generation to generation is that transparency and being really open, sort of having the, the gate open at the end of the road for anybody that comes in. It's just the right approach to have. 
I love it. I just love it. And times have changed for sure. And it has opened up new opportunities for business aquaculturists. My last question to you is, where do you see your organization thriving in aquaculture a decade from now? I have lots of ideas. So the one thing we're we're learning a lot about customers is that they really like a lot of variety. So on our farms, we keep trying out new species. So coho salmon is a new one that we're trying out. We're trying new ways of preparing it, things like smoking to bring it in. But really what my sister and I's goal is just to displace some of the imports. You know, across the entire Ontario aquaculture community, we continue to grow every year our production of sustainable rainbow trout, but we're in no way keeping up with market demand. And so in 10 years, my hope is that we're just displacing more of the imports when it comes to fresh, when it comes to frozen, when it comes to value add. So that's where we're setting our sights on next. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, RJ. My biggest takeaway from this episode is when you were talking about caring for the animals, caring for the community, and of course, the environmental story surrounding what we do in our business with transparency, putting the best interest of the fish health and the environment and, of course, the people around us. It's quite life-changing that the business that we do is also our work life. Thanks again, RJ. Perfect. Thank you, Lord. It really does take a village, so thank you. It does. Uh, How can they get in touch with you? We are at springhillfish.ca, or you can search us on Facebook or Instagram at springhillfish. Sounds great. To our subscribers, we appreciate your time listening to the show. Our next guest is Susan Farquharson, who is the Executive Director at Atlantic Canada Fish Farmers Association. See you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, RJ. Thank you, Laura. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Okay. Thank you for listening, and I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues, and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website, www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture.